For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. I was scrolling Facebook last weekend when I saw a post that inspired some of that good old Facebook engagement in the comments. Most of it's civil. The post was from Chloe Cook, the executive director at Sidewalk Film in Birmingham. Here's what it said. Quote, You can't be anti-vax, anti-mask, and anti-social distancing and be pro-business, pro-schools, pro-athletics, or pro-arts. End quote. As a leader of one of the state's most prominent arts organizations, Chloe Cook has a horse in this race. They run an annual film festival inside several venues in Birmingham that had to convert to a drive-in format in 2020. They just raised more than $4 million to build a brand new independent movie theater in downtown Birmingham and had to close its doors almost as soon as they swung open. Now they're planning their next festival, set to kick off on August 23rd. And according to Alabama Governor Kay Ivey, Alabama is open for business. But because of legislation Ivy signed, Sidewalk cannot require proof of vaccination from its patrons at each indoor venue where they screen a movie. So I asked Chloe Cook why you can't be anti-vax and pro-arts in Alabama, how her organization was most impacted by COVID, what she hears from her friends in the arts community, and what her message is to people who want normal life but aren't willing to do what's necessary to make it a reality. So, Chloe, you had a Facebook post a few days ago that really resonated with people. You said you can't be anti-vax, anti-mask, and anti-social distancing and be pro-business, pro-schools, pro-athletics, or pro-arts. What inspired this post? (laughs) Um, The last 18 months of life? Um, No, I mean, seriously... We are roughly 21 days, I think, away from our first uh, festival event for this year. And I feel a little bit like we're caught in the crosshairs, you know, as a nonprofit arts organization, you know, the past year and a half has been a big struggle for us, as it has been for many people in lots of other industries as well. And we're making decisions day by day about how we want to proceed with our event and I'm reading and I am listening and I'm following along with conversations online and you know there's just such a an interesting divide out there that you know the people that are comfortable following the guidelines of the CDC and following the recommendations of the medical community and the people that are not comfortable with that at all and I started noticing like a lot of the people that don't want businesses to close down and are, you know, sort of talking about our freedoms, et cetera, are also not willing to get the vaccine and they're not willing to wear a mask and they're not willing to, you know, follow social distancing guidelines. And it's just sort of on my heart to point out that I don't think those two things can exist, you know, simultaneously in a person. You can't, claim to be pro-business or pro-schools or pro-quote normalcy, whatever that means, if you're not willing to follow any of the of the advice that's being provided to us by the medical community. And it's putting a lot of businesses, small and large, and a lot of nonprofits, 
um, in jeopardy. And I think it's, you know, it's going to end up putting a lot of our young people in jeopardy in a few weeks when school starts back, not even in a few weeks, next week when school starts back. So in terms of the arts community, which you're obviously a part of, what do you consider the greatest direct impacts on the arts community, specifically as it relates to sidewalk, as in without COVID, this would not be happening or would not have happened? Oh, well, so last year we were, if not the first, we were one of the first organizations to close our doors in response to COVID, just ahead of, you know, any regulations or mandates. Um, We were watching what was happening with our peer organizations on the West Coast and just started to feel like we were being foolish to not pay attention to what was happening and we didn't want to put our staff members or our customers at risk. And we weren't at that time in a position to assure ourselves or others that, you know, someone on our team didn't have COVID and that we weren't spreading that, you know, to anybody coming into our facility. And so we elected to close our facility about six months after we opened our doors, probably one of the tougher decisions of my professional life, maybe the most difficult decision of my professional life. Um, And frankly, sort of thought, you know, I'd be the laughing stock of the community that I was overreacting. And then within probably a week or so, we were seeing, you know, lots of things be shut down. My daughter's school sent her home, et cetera. And I started to feel a little less ridiculous in my decision-making, but started to feel a little bit more worried about our organization's future. We are a nonprofit organization. We do receive, you know, public support, through grant-making organizations, um, through the State Arts Council, through the National Endowment for the Arts. You know, we have individual and corporate partners and donors, but a huge, huge portion of our income is earned income. We sell ad space, we sell tickets, we sell concessions, we sell experiences. And so for us, not being able to open the doors to the cinema that we had just raised four and a half million dollars to build was an immediate, you know, impact of COVID and one that we are still feeling today. Though we are reopened, we are reopened with limited capacity. Um, We had fairly recently dropped our mask mandate in the space and now have that back in place. So let's see, without COVID, we wouldn't have closed the cinema. We would have continued to operate in the ways that we were pre-COVID. We would not have moved our festival last year to Leeds to utilize the four screen drive-in theater complex that's at the Grand River, you know, shopping area. We would not have been limiting ticket sales to only 12 tickets at a time as we did for months and months after reopening. We wouldn't be now worried about our financial future. You know, our entire team last year, I believe it was in April, I issued a 20% pay cut across the board for every one of our employees, including myself. That was still in effect until last week. So our whole team went without 20% of their pay for a year and a half. And when we put that in place, you know, the intention was this is a necessary measure, um, but it'll be short term. And we as a community are all going to follow these guidelines and what people were saying a year and a half ago was flatten the curve. And that's what, you know, we thought was going to happen. And it just really hasn't happened in our community. And so that pay cut stayed in effect much longer than I initially envisioned or intended. We 
reversed that pay cut this past week due to receiving a shuttered venue operators grant from the federal government and the SBA, um, which I'm really grateful for. But now with cases spiking in our community and the CDC guidelines asking all people, even those that are vaccinated, to wear their masks again indoors, you know, we're back at limiting capacity and trying to sort through the most responsible way for us to continue to operate for our team members and our customers. And it's, you know, certainly a big challenge. And I think my peers are in the same boat. You know, do they preserve people's jobs and their health care and keep their team working, but potentially put them at risk through exposure? And that's not a fun place to be as a nonprofit, you know, administrator. Uh, but it's not a fun place to be for, you know, restaurant owners or retail shops or just, you know, pick a business that interfaces with the general public. Yeah, and I've spoken to musicians and theater managers and operators, festival organizers and others in the arts community who have really seen and felt firsthand the pandemic's lingering effect and, you know, emphasis on community because I know that your organization is very collaborative with other folks out there in the community. And so I wonder how often you discuss it with others outside of Sidewalk going through something so similar. Like, what are you hearing from other people out there? Well, I think that people in positions similar to mine are all struggling with the same thing because no one organization has an audience or a following that falls exclusively on sort of one side of this issue. And so what I'm hearing from peers is, gosh, I have two or three board members that think we should be full speed ahead, no limitations, no mask policy, open the doors and and go for it. And I have other board members that are uncertain and they, you know, they don't know what we should be doing and, and they're asking me and I'm not sure either. And then you've got other board members that are like, I can't believe we're opening the doors. You know, we shouldn't be doing this. This is not safe. We've got to have a strictly enforced mask policy, et cetera. So you, you've got that sort of pendulum swing and you're, it, at least for me anyway, it feels like as the administrator, I'm on the pendulum. I'm swinging, <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to honor the wishes of staff members, board members, the audience members in our case. And I think most anybody in the arts sector right now, whether they own and operate a venue like the Alabama Theater or Saturn, or if they are a presenting organization like producing their own work like Red Mountain Theater Company um, or the Museum of Art, you know, trying to put on exhibitions and host educational programs. It's a really, really tough line to walk to attempt to move forward in a way that allows people on both sides of this issue to feel comfortable. And frankly, I don't think that's possible. And so then you're left making what you hope is the best overall decision for the organization, um, just weighing all the factors. And I mean, that's really what I'm hearing from my peers is it stinks to be in this position where you're being provided with guidance, but there's really not any sort of there's no local, state, federal backup for that guidance. It's just like, hey, this this is what the CDC is recommending. Figure out for yourself how to implement that and how to police that and how to communicate about it. And then hopefully your customers don't all abandon you in the process. 
hopefully your donors don't abandon you in the process. You know, that's a, it's a really, I think, unfortunate place, you know, for anybody to be, but I think in particular folks that are, you know, like me in the arts sector where the point of what we do is to bring larger groups of people together to experience a cultural moment, an artistic moment. You know, a lot of that decision-making is falling to us versus there may be an equivalent number of people at another facility, but they didn't all buy a ticket and walk in the door at roughly the same time. And I feel like those sort of businesses, you know, aren't being looked at with the same scrutiny. So anyway, it's it's been a tough, you know, a tough line to walk. We'll be right back. You'd mentioned the theater reopened last year with limited capacity, other safety measures in place. And as the vaccine emerged, we saw COVID begin to sort of calm a little bit before this latest surge. I wonder what trends did you see in terms of people wanting to return to movie theaters? Like how were the crowds and with the Delta variant increasing cases, are they starting to sort of dwindle again? So we reopened right after the 2020 festival. We reopened the cinema doors with um, Tenet. And we were selling at that time only 12 tickets per screening. And just for the listener's point of reference, we have 100 seats each in our two theaters. Um, So we were selling 12 tickets at a time. And under that particular limitation, I would say more often than not, we were selling all 12. And we arrived at that number based on going into our room and physically plotting out where we could place people and have the most possible distance between them exceeding the recommended six feet. As time went on, we increased the capacity to 18 tickets per time. And then I would say in that scenario, we were seeing, depending on the film we were playing, all 18 be sold, or you might be at 12 or 10 or, you know, whatever, but we were selling tickets to each screening. And then we increased capacity further. I believe we went to 24 at that point, which was still allowing six feet distance between all customers. And then we were around that place as the vaccine was rolling out. And, you know, I think the community was feeling a bit more confident about our ability to gather in particular into, you know, spaces like theaters. And we were still seeing pretty steady numbers. Last week, we held three sneak peek events for our festival, us showing trailers, having our creative director and programmers sort of talk through the lineup for this year. And we had capacity capped at 50 people per theater for that event. And we were at 50 people per theater for those sneak peek events. We were only using, you know, one one theater at a time, but we did see really good response. The most interesting thing I can tell you is that on Monday for our sneak peek, I would say that 10 to 15% of the people walking through the doors did not have on masks. That same percentage would have been true on Tuesday. The CDC changed their guidelines and those were, you know, widely discussed and publicized. And on Wednesday for our sneak peek, I would say those percentages flipped where we had about 10 to 15% of the audience not wearing a mask and everybody else was wearing a mask and we had not communicated anything any differently to our audience. We didn't tell people on Wednesday, you must be wearing a mask and on Monday, Tuesday, who cares? Our policy has been 
since the city dropped the mask mandate, our policy changed to say that if you're vaccinated, you do not have to wear a mask, but we cannot assure you that everybody in the room doesn't have a, you know, is vaccinated. So with that in mind, we highly encourage everyone to wear a mask, but you do not have to if you're vaccinated. And that policy was still technically in effect on Wednesday, but we saw our audience really make that change quickly for themselves. And so I'm curious to see, you know, how things go this week with just regular screenings in the cinema. We are back to a mask policy within our facility. And, you know, I'm just going to be watching to see, you know, if we have any trouble from patrons who don't want to wear their mask and just see how the, the mood changes. I would say, generally speaking, the sidewalk audience is relatively conservative on this issue. They want to wear their masks. They seem to want to do what is best for the community at large. I can't say that for every single person, um, of course, but that is sort of, that's the the most notable trend that I've seen since the spike is that when the CDC changed their recommendations, our audience kind of got on the bandwagon relatively quickly and easily without a lot of prodding. I hope that continues to be the case. Yeah. And so last year, the pandemic essentially scrapped theaters and in-person festivals in America and sidewalk pivoted with streaming services, pop-up drive-in series, and and ultimately a drive-in film festival, including thorough guidelines for reopening the theater safely, too. So I I just wonder, I can't imagine the level of anxiety that y'all felt in terms of planning it last year and and just sort of creating a brand new festival on the fly and and executing it the way that y'all did successfully. But with 2021, passes are on sale now. After last year's changes, the festival is planning to return to its theater district roots while acknowledging that the pandemic is not over and and working in partnership to ensure everybody's safety with the venues. How would you describe the planning process now for this year and and how excited is everyone to sort of take it back inside? Um, I think our team is really excited to be back in the historic theater district. That's where our organization began. That is where we've hosted every version of our festival except for 2020. So we're definitely excited to be back in the theater district. I would be much more excited to be back in the theater district if we were in a position to ask our customers if they were vaccinated uh, so that we could assure everyone that they were going to be in the safest possible environment with only other vaccinated, you know, audience members Um, in Alabama, that isn't an option. And so as a result, what we are doing is following the CDC guidelines, which ask anybody gathering indoors vaccinated or not to wear their masks. We have limited capacities in our venues. Um, What those exact capacities are going to be, I don't know yet because we are just A month ago, we thought it was going to be one thing and then, you know, things have changed and we've had a spike in cases locally and, you know, throughout the Southeast, really. So we're just playing that decision to some extent day by day. Um, But we've been planning all along for limited capacity. Exactly how limited each venue will be is something that we'll be making a determination about really as we just get closer and closer to the festival and we see how the vaccination rate changes and how the case count changes. Unfortunately, the way the vaccines work, it's impossible for somebody to go today and get their first shot and then wait the two weeks and get their second shot and then wait the two weeks to be, you know, fully vaccinated and still be able to come to our festival with that full vaccination. So, you know, we're just weighing all of that information 
We obviously have hand sanitizing stations that we're going to have set up everywhere. Lots of signage um, about the vaccine. We are going to have two partners on site doing COVID tests as well as issuing COVID vaccines. Obviously, we're not in the, you know, medical space, but we have partners that, you know, are willing to come and do this as a community service. And we're happy to provide a, a venue for that. We're running PSAs about the importance of getting the vaccine. I mean, we're doing everything that I think a film-centered nonprofit organization can do to offer a safe space um, and to communicate about the importance of taking these, you know, precautions and still try to, you know, survive as a, you know, as an organization. To be clear, you cannot require proof of vaccination for entry at any sidewalk events. Is that right? And, And if that was an option, would you do that? So it's my understanding that the that there is a state law that prevents people from requiring a quote, you know, vaccine passport or proof of vaccination. Right. Um, so in order to stay within the bounds of the law, we can't ask people for that proof um, in order to enter our space. I'm of the thinking that we would ask for that if we were in a position to do so. Because I think it provides that additional layer of protection and comfort for the people in the room to know that they're in the room with other people that have already been vaccinated and are much less likely to be passing the virus from person to person. But that's not a thing we can do. It is something that we're seeing peer festivals um, and cinemas do in other parts of the country, just depending on their you know state or local regulations. And we've definitely had some customers you know reach out and and tell us that they wish that that was something that we could do. So I don't know. It's, it's a pretty wild place to be. You know, I never imagined paying this much attention to, you know, to anything, frankly, um, (laughs) about, you know, infectious disease in my particular career. Um, So it's been a wild ride. And I think my peers are all feeling that same pressure to, to create something fun for people to get out and enjoy their life. And, you know, return to the beautiful moments that the arts allow for and to figure out how to do that and do it in a safe way that doesn't alienate half of your audience is a really, it's a really tough thing to do. Just circling back to what brought us here with your original post and and those thoughts that you shared, Alabama remains last in the country in vaccination rate. The state has the highest positivity rate. The vaccine is safe, effective, it's free. Anybody can get it right now. There is a way to eradicate the virus, essentially. But so far, the state is refusing to do that. This is a choice that is being made to refuse the vaccination. But there remains this demand to live our normal lives, that Alabama remain open for business, that people can go to restaurants and concerts and movies at venues and events like yours without doing what's necessary to have those things again. So as someone who is leading an organization like yours that clearly wants to give that back to people, what is your message to them right now? Well, I wish that our state leadership had taken a different approach to this from the very beginning. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And so now, you know, where we are, I think all I can say is that I wish people would follow the expertise of our medical community, 
both locally and at the national level, obviously following the guidelines of the CDC, but listening to people like Dr. David Kimberlin at Children's Hospital, who is saying kids should be in schools for in-person learning, but we should do that in the smartest, safest way possible. So that includes wearing masks, having those mask policies be strictly enforced. It also means getting kids that are old enough for the vaccine vaccinated um, in advance of school starting. I think we should be listening to these people who have dedicated their careers and their lives to these issues. You know, people can come to my colleague, Rachel Morgan, and ask for film recommendations because that's what she's dedicated her life to. People could come to me and ask, and I get this question, how can we start a festival? Or we want to expand the event that we're hosting to reach a larger audience. And that's something I've spent my career focusing on. And I'm happy to answer those questions. So when we have the medical community telling us what to do so that we can return to, quote, normal, I think that we should be listening. I wish that my, you know, fellow community members would get the vaccine unless they have some, you know, a medical reason that prevents that so that we could, you know, all get back to a version of life that doesn't include this conversation that you and I are having been. I mean, I I like you. It's fun talking to you, but this isn't a fun subject. So yeah, I mean, go get the shot. It's widely available. It's free. Like you said, if you have reservations, call your physician and see what they have to say about it, because that's what your doctors are there for, to answer your questions and help provide you with guidance. So, you know, stop paying attention to fake news sources and or people, frankly, like me, like if you don't trust me, (laughs) if you're reading my Facebook post and you don't think I know what I'm talking about, I don't blame you. You know, I'm the executive director for a film organization, but like follow the guidelines of the medical community. It just seems that simple to me. There's a lot of like desire to politicize something that, in my opinion, isn't a political issue. And I think that desire has prevented us as a state from moving forward um, in a healthy and safe manner. And we're all going to pay the price. So like my post was saying, if you want your kids to be in school this fall, then follow along when you're asked to put them in a mask. If you want your high schooler to have the full high school experience, get them vaccinated. If you yourself want to go to concerts and restaurants and movies or whatever it is that you want to do, just follow the guidelines that have been provided and then you get your quote normal life back. But without that, we're going to continue to see sickness and death and businesses close because we can't as an organization just, and I can only speak for sidewalk. We can't stay open selling 12 tickets at a time. That is not a sustainable business model, but we also can't say who cares? Everybody come in and hang out and have a good time and don't wear a mask and don't get vaccinated and bring this COVID into our facility and get all of our, you know, employees sick and and their families sick. I mean, it's just not a, that's not an option either. So again, we're trying to walk that fine line of being in Alabama where, you know, we don't have the same kind of, I guess, respect for the medical community as perhaps other states do. I don't know. If you or anybody else is impacted by COVID and want to share your story, please email me at bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. 
For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact the state, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thank you for listening.